Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the first ever podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2020, with a focus on how coaches shape happy and healthy humans. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest compendium of research, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. I hope everybody is enjoying the symposium. That was such an enlightening panel. Thank you so much, Margaret and Dan. Thank you for your time. And thank you for guiding us through the tricky world of reimbursements. Here at Your Coach, we've created a space where you can receive resources and support to create the most comprehensive up-to-date practices. This panel is made up of experts in business and legal knowledge in the health and wellness space to give you tips to help your business run more smoothly and stay compliant in the ever-changing healthcare space. Joining us today, Lisa Fraley, Barbara Zabawa, and Christine Hansen. Hello, thank you for joining me here today. Uh, this is the Coaches for, Co Co Coaches for Coaches panel at our symposium. My name is Marina Berkovich. I am the CEO and co-founder of Your Coach, which is a platform for health and wellness coaches. And we're super excited to be hosting this event for the community. And I am even more excited to have this panel with us here today. This is going to be a legal and business panel, and we're going to be giving a lot of um, interesting insight and advice to our coaches who are watching us today. So I'm going to go through and we'll do a little brief introductions of everyone and um, we'll take it from there. So uh, Lisa, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, Thank you. I was reading your bio. I thought it was really interesting how you combine law, coaching and spirituality. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about that and a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Marina, as a part of this panel. Um, I'm Lisa Fraley, legal coach and attorney, and I bring together my background as a former healthcare attorney in a large corporate law firm with also being a health coach through IIN myself and a life coach through Coach U, hence the ampersand. Um, and I try to help health and wellness coaches really take easy legal steps that are one step at a time that are simple, that are easy to understand so that you can protect yourself, your work, your business, your brand. Um, and I actually align legal steps with the chakras because I believe the law that protects you in practical ways to cover your buns and to cover your um, income and to protect yourself and also energetically, uh, because when you take legal steps, you actually shift the way that you show up in your business energetically. And that I believe um, draws to you more of your ideal clients uh, and the business that you want. So I've been doing this work online for about eight years. I've been a lawyer for 25 years. And um, I also am the author of Easy Legal Steps, which are also good for your soul and the host of the Legally Enlightened podcast. And I've listened to your podcast and it's fascinating. And uh, I'm you. glad to hear what you can impart on us today. Thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, next, we have Barbara Zabawa. And uh, Barbara, I found it interesting in your bio that you practice wellness law. 
So it's not something that I've heard about before wellness law. So is that something new? Is that a new category? I would love to hear more about that. It is a new category. I've, I created it. I own the domain wellnesslaw.com. I too, like Lisa, practice health law for many, many years and was the chair of my law firm's healthcare practice group. Uh, but when I broke off on my own about six years ago, I kind of went full circle in my uh, career. I started out in public health and health education, health promotion, and then I went to law school, did the traditional healthcare practice work. And then when I came out on my own, started my own law firm, I realized that there really wasn't a lot of legal assistance for the wellness community. Uh, wellness encompassing not only health coaches, but licensed professionals who are maybe complementary alternative care providers, and also organizations or companies that provide wellness services, particularly in the corporate setting, workplace wellness. And I wrote a book about workplace wellness law called Rule the Rules of Workplace Wellness Programs. And, um, and so that's how I've kind of structured my, my legal practice is really focusing on more of the wellness preventive health promotion side to healthcare rather than the more acute care, um, which is mo more what the traditional healthcare practice groups and law firms are focusing on. Oh, awesome. I mean, everybody sounds like they have their plates full. Um, last but not least, talking about having their hands full, we come to Christine Hansen. And Christine has founded a sleep coaching school. She is a business coach, and we are so excited to have her here with us today because take it from here, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited because I talk, I walk the talk every day. I still have Sleep Like a Boss, um, where I have my team working with my clients. And I just want to say, I completely agree with Lisa that once you get your law, everything signed up, you show up completely differently. You're, you're a boss. Like it's, it's something that so many people skimp on, but it gives you such a level of confidence. And it's a little bit, I love to work with health coaches because we get it in terms of what it means to work holistically. And that's what I do with my clients business-wise, um, through my experience, having had lots of coaches myself, working with lots of health coaches, a lot of the time we focus on one thing and kind of skip a little bit all the other things. And it's just like with our health, with our wellness, with our body, your business is a being, it's a thing, it's an organic little baby that's growing. And if you treat it holistically from different angles, from business-wise, marketing, number crunching, from the unsexy to the more fun stuff, that's when you really build a beautiful, sustainable business that makes you lots of money, that doesn't burn you out. And that's what I focus on with my clients. I love that you mentioned um, that you've had a lot of coaches yourself because my motto and my team laughs at me all the time because I always say every coach needs a coach because that's the only way that we can experience. That's the only way that we can help our clients if we know what it's like to be the client, if we know what it's like to ask for help and to be helped. So I really appreciate that you said that. Um, so thank you so much for the introductions. It's lovely to have all of you here and um, I would love to, to just dive um, into, into the gist of it. Um, so this is the question for Barbara and Lisa. The regulatory landscape is constantly changing. 
Um, there's rules across states, there's rules across, across countries. What is something that you do to support your clients? How do you help them to navigate this? What's actually a mess for the rest of us? To you, I'm sure it's just everyday work. <laughs> um, let's start with Lisa. Um, so I work with a lot of health coaches and wellness coaches, and also those who are licensed practitioners trying to transition to the world of coaching without violating their license. So I do spend time helping to educate about various state laws, particularly around nutrition, um, and where some of the pitfalls are so that the practitioners aren't violating their license or health coaches aren't practicing outside um, of their scope of practice and not practicing medicine, not um, practicing dietetics. And this is one of the hardest areas, as you just said, Marina, the laws change all the time. But the good news is that many state laws, at least in the US, are opening to actually be more flexible and more inclusive of wellness practitioners, which is great news for the industry. Um, well, although coaches still have to make sure they're not practicing medicine, they have to be very careful about that and not making medical claims. At the same time, um, there is a lot more room for more coaches to be doing their work in a more expansive way. And is there resources that coaches can go to just to keep updated with, with the changing regulations or is it more, yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite resources, well, of course I'm gonna say probably like Barbara would, make sure you talk with a lawyer. <laughs> For your, own, um, for your own situation, but there is a resource that does a great job at sort of following the state laws. And um, it used to be called nutritionadvocacy.com and it's now called theana.org slash advocate. And it does explain to you um, in summation the law of the state and then also gives you a link to the state law and state regulations as well. Um, and it's actually something that you've helped us with at your coach because we referenced the map, you know, the coaching map, the scope of practice. And in changing over, over our website, we missed and we didn't give credit. So I appreciate you pointing that, that out to us. With so, love. With love. Thank you, love. thank you for your wealth of knowledge. Um, thank you. Barbara, I guess my question to you is on the same topic, but I've encountered coaches who are practicing not only across state lines, but they're practicing in different countries. They could be living in one country and practicing in another country. Is this something that you support? Is this something that you help with? Or is this something that coaches should really stay away from? Um, I have looked at uh, coaching uh, internationally. Uh, certainly there are countries that are a lot less, um, it's, it's, it's easier to practice um, in like, Europe, for example, there are less regulations around coaching. I mean, the U.S. doesn't really have regulations around coaching. It's like what Lisa said. It's really more, are you entering into the scope of a licensed practice? And that's, that's one of the biggest risks for coaches in the U.S. There's less risk in other countries of doing that, or there's more structure around what they can do. Um, but I don't, I'm not do not call myself an expert in international coaching law by any means. And, um, you know, a, a coach who wants to expand into an international kind of practice would probably uh, be well served by looking at the different countries they want to service and just to make sure that they're on, they understand what the, the limitations are for what they want to do. The thing about health coaching is brought to you by your coach health the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches. We help a growing roster of industry partners 
stand up or augment their health coaching operations with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration. We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching, an ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the 8.5 billion global population by 2030. Do your research. Mm-hmm. And, um, always do research. <laughs> and we find it's important for the coaches to be up on the latest HIPAA compliance, GDPR compliance, or, I mean, at your coach, we make sure that our platform is up to the latest standards. Is that something that coaches need to do? Do you uh, tell them to do this on their own or do you find them, guide them to find a solution that has something like that already? Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up HIPAA. HIPAA is one of those uh, pervasive and a lot of times even misunderstood laws, especially by the lay community. We hear it so much about HIPAA, HIPAA, HIPAA. Um, But, you know, when it comes down to it, there's, there's still a lot of confusion about when HIPAA applies. I think there's a, an assumption that HIPAA applies even in cases where it doesn't apply. And that is an example in coaching is um, HIPAA probably technically doesn't apply in a lot of health coaching situations, unless you're working with a physician clinic and you're doing things like um, Medicare wellness exams that are covered um, by insurance. Um, you're not probably a covered entity because uh, there are three types of covered entities that are subject to HIPAA health plans. And we know coaches are not a health plan. We also know coaches are not a clearinghouse, the second type of covered entity. The third is the healthcare provider. And even though healthcare is defined quite broadly in the law, uh, that could encompass what health coaches do, they don't conduct oftentimes, in my experience, standard transactions. And that's the piece that is, um, that, that makes a healthcare provider a covered entity is that they provide healthcare and they're doing standard transactions. And the most typical standard transaction is billing insurance. Um, and so if you're not billing insurance, um, I would have to question whether you're subject to HIPAA. Now, that being said, it's always a good idea to aspire to have HIPAA compliance voluntarily, even if you're not technically subject to the law to, to uh, align your practice with a lot of the HIPAA standards, you know, for privacy and security protection, because your clients will probably want that or expect that, even though you may not be technically subject to it. So, so I do help my coach clients become, you know, compliant with HIPAA, even though they may not need to be just because it's at the end of the day, good practice. And, um, oftentimes best practice. So, so yeah, I mean, that's a long winded way of saying, you know, uh, you don't need to be HIPAA compliant, but it's probably a good idea uh, in most cases. And I see Lisa is nodding her head. So I take it. You agree with everything Barbara is saying. 
Yes, I did a podcast episode about this saying much of what Barbara did, which is very, it's wonderful that we are here to affirm actually as two of very, very few lawyers in the country who understand both the healthcare law world around license and licensure and healthcare laws and HIPAA and all the things we've been talking about and the coaching or online space, the wellness space, the coaching space. It's, it's very, very weird, like unicorns in the world. <laughs> and so it's wonderful that we're both um, affirming the same things based on our knowledge as healthcare lawyers and based on our knowledge and understanding of working with coaches. So absolutely, I agree 100% with what Barbara said. I'm really happy to have two unicorns here with us. <laughs> what, what are the odds? <laughs> well, if you have a team like mine, the odds are pretty high. So, <laughs> so um, Christina, I have a question for you. Um, with the pandemic, a lot of governments, they, um, they've lessened the rules around telemedicine and practicing across state lines and country lines. Do you feel that the same applies to health coaching, even though, you know, and I leave you to, to answer this, um, I guess I'll start answering this, um, even though health coaching doesn't have the same rules and regulations as medical practitioners, obviously, but what do you see the trends being in health coaching? So I can talk to what I experienced with my team, basically. So just to clarify maybe how my team is structured. So I have a team all around the world. So we have someone in Singapore, we have someone in Norway, in Spain, in Canada, in the US. So we are dotted all around the world. And the way that we do it is that they work with through my company, which is located in Luxembourg and are basically licensed through the law here, right? So if they work with a client, they have my contract that I set up with my lawyers basically covering them. And um, what I find is though that I haven't had any much difference in terms of people reaching out to us. I really have to say that people, and this is an online business, which I think is also very different from maybe a brick and mortar business. People have always been used to kind of have an open mind about where we are located. I never had anyone have an issue with me being located in Europe, even though most of my clients are actually based in the US. So um, also I haven't seen a big difference in terms of being scrutinized or anything like that, unless it's about what I did realize is that it has been become a lot more, not difficult, but if, um, finesse to marketing um there has been a, a huge crackdown on what you can say what you can't say especially on social media so it's been a lot of education as to how to phrase what you are promising in air quotes or how you can market what you can say in your social media posts what you can publish on your blog so, and that has been more restrictive actually than opening up. So it's become a little bit more tricky in terms of really getting your message across without stepping on some toes, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I leave up to everyone's interpretation, but I've seen that become more restrictive, but I've never had any issue with in terms of compliance or in terms of anyone having you know difficulties with that legally not either. Right. So um, just to build up on that a little bit, um, again, with the pandemic, right, that seems to be the, uh, the trend. Um, there's been a lot of focus on mental health, right, and rightfully so. And we as health coaches have always put a lot of emphasis on it. But now the world is agreeing with us. And they're, you know, they're, they're in tune and they're, they're 
they're right, right along there with us. Have you seen any trends um, in health coaching emerge? Have you seen growth? Have you seen the demand for health coaching rise uh, with this? What do you think? For me, definitely in terms of having outlets come and obviously I am known for sleep or my business is known for sleep. And that has been a huge, huge demand because insomnia was one of the most most rising trends in the beginning, especially with during lockdown time. Um, people were super stressed. Insomnia is one of the main symptoms combined with anxiety. So there's been a lot of demand for media outlets, public as well, obviously also people reaching out to that. So I think that, yes, it's become a lot more clear on people's radar that this is a real issue that mental health is actually something we need to think about that it's been so predominant that people who might might have lived on the verge of having mental health issues for a long time were now kind of pushed over the edge and, and of course they were so I think that and media has picked that up especially online media I find even more so than maybe print but if you look at any blogs from Vogue magazine to entrepreneur to everything it's a topic that has risen much much more in prominence so even though the event is unfortunate it might actually be a good thing to get people talking about it Absolutely. And in coaches that you mentor, in coaches that you help with their business practices, have you seen any emerging trends in their business as to maybe their niche has changed or maybe there's been an influx of people? Yeah, you're not in your head. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people, especially we, we're running a mastermind that started in uh, January <laughs> and we had to shift. We, had, we were supposed to have two retreats. We had to shift a lot. And a lot of the health coaches that started there started their practice. So what we could see is that pretty much half of them changed their niche after six months. Um, and it, it's also due to clarity, of course. You know, you try something on for size and you notice whether it's for you or not. I think it's just rite of passage in a way. So do not invest too much on a website in the first two months. Just a little tip nearby. But um, I do think that they changed also because people have become a lot more vocal and a lot more direct with what is actually the issue. So I find that instead of tiptoeing around because health has been so prominent, people become a lot more direct, which makes it easier for health coaches actually to hone in on their messaging. Um, but I don't think that often it's different. I saw that a lot of mental health, you know, experts have been going live in, in Facebook groups and so forth. But I do find for the most pe for the most part, people stick to what they do. And I don't think that there's been too much of a shift in the trends as to what people are asking for. The only difference is that people have become a lot more aware and that those people who who might have been on the brink of taking action ha now have a valid reason to actually follow that instinct and that impulse that they have to follow through and actually reach out. And of course, the biggest difference is that people become a lot more aware of online practices because before it was still, okay, I'm going to my brick and mortar, but because everyone was either too scared or wasn't allowed to, the whole concept of online health coaching has become different and has gained I find more reputation in a good way that it's legit that it's valid because everyone is now doing online so it's not this dodgy kind of scammy old school thing 
you know, where you bought something from, you know, not being mean from China or something imported, but now it's actually okay. It's actually true professionals doing it online because I'm doing home office now. So I know how it works. It's funny that you mentioned that actually when building your coach, we started mobile first because everybody was always on a move and come March, April, we had to switch over so fast. So now we're almost ready to, you know, roll out our a web version because people are staying at home more. So, I mean, it's nice to have the balance of the two, right? But how quickly things change, right? From always being on the move to just always being in front of our computers. So yeah, so if there's a silver lining to this whole pandemic thing, it's people are more vocal, people are asking for what they need, which is great, right? This is what we want them to do. So let's shift focus a little bit. Let's get away from the pandemic. I think we've all talked enough about it. We're ready to move on. Um, so in building um, my company, uh, one of the things that the pitfall was that it's always easy to put the expert hat on, right? So even though I'm a health coach myself, I was building the platform for myself, but I quickly realized that I'm not going to be the only one using it. So even though I thought I knew what it needed to be, I quickly had to pivot and listen to all the users that were using it and all the feedback that they were given, right? So even though as a health coach, we know not to put the expert hat on, it's really easy to put that hat on because it just fits so well, you know? Um, so that was my pitfall, not always listening. What are some pitfalls that you've seen coaches uh, encounter in building their online practices? And um, I guess, Lisa, let's start with you first. Well, I, we were talking about this a little bit as we got started, but I think one of the things is that a lot of co health coaches um, either think that they're too small to need legal advice or legal documents, especially when they're just starting out, or they just sort of come from this place of abundance that they think, oh no, I won't get sued. Oh no, that won't happen to me. Oh no, all my clients will pay me on time. I'm putting good energy out in the world and I'm gonna receive all that good energy back. And so they don't, they don't do the preventative part of getting their legal documents in place, which can help prevent the pitfall on the back end. So that's one of the things I see often is that health coaches are working with clients, but they're not using a client agreement or they have websites, but they don't have website documents or they have online group programs and they don't have terms. Like they, they either trust in the love and kindness of all of their clients, but they are also putting their income at risk and they don't have refund policies and they don't have cancellation policies. So one of the biggest things I think that people can do, whether there's a pandemic or not, is to actually get your legal documents in place starting out, just like you want to work with an accountant when you're starting out, so that you start off well, you create these beautiful containers to hold and support your work, and then you go forward um, preventing some of the conflicts that you might have had because your legal documents already speak to limiting your liability or to including your refund policy, your payment policies, your communication policies, and it helps to avoid confusion and distress, I think, later. I love that. Be prepared. Always be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Barbara, what do you think? Can you add anything to that? Yeah. I, well, everything Lisa said, totally agree. <laughs> We're all on the same page. Um, I would add that another function of those documents that Lisa was mentioning that I think is really, really valuable when you're first starting out either with your business or starting with a new client is it sets proper expectations. That's one of the things that I see um, coaches falling into traps of not setting the right expectations between you know them and their clients so that um, there may be some 
improper expectations either from the client or even even from the coach as to what their role is. Um, you know, it's really important. And this goes back to the whole scope of practice issue that we discussed earlier um, to kind of avoid that scope of practice issue from a legal standpoint. It's really important to have proper expectations and understanding your role and having the client understand your role. And, you know, going, coming back to the whole mental health thing, yes, that's a huge issue. And it may be very tempting sometimes for a coach to want to kind of dive into some of those maybe uh, more mental health or behavioral health matters. And, you know, unless you are licensed to do that and you're in the state in which you're doing it, you probably don't want to go down that road as tempting as it might be. And, and with other lifestyle factors too, you know, diet, if you're not licensed or exercise, if you don't have the proper license, you know, and of course, medicine being the big one. So it's just um, really important. And I think a really solid document that kind of sets the refund policies and um, payment policies and cancellation policies and all those kinds of policies also talks about your role as a coach mm -hmm. and what you can do and more importantly, what you aren't going to do. Yeah. This is one of those situations where more is more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, yeah. what do you think Christine from the business perspective, what are some of the pitfalls that you've seen? Um, yeah. But just as a quick note, there's nothing better than to say as per contract. <laughs> That's like my favorite <laughs> thing to email is like, as per contract, and then clients will go, damn, I didn't read the thing. That's their problem, not yours. So yeah, that's the best thing. Exactly. It's not just coaching. Um, exactly. What I see, and this is, um, and people get really uncomfortable when I talk about it, but I love talking about it, is the money issue. Uh, I see a lot of coaches avoiding facing their bank accounts and pace, facing their expenses. So one exercise that I do with every client of mine, and it's brutal, is to really sit down, collect all the bills from the past year and recurring payments and also bills that you tend to forget, like Christmas presents, birthday gifts, tax that you pay once a year, insurance, but also all the software recurring payments that you have, and actually do the math on how much money you actually need to make. Because health coaches do often come from the best place and best intentions and they're really bad with money and really feel bad charging and I find that once you actually do that exercise and you see what you need to make this it's not a luxury it's it's a necessity it's your job it changes everything it changes how you create your offers it changes how you create your packages it changes how you treat your business and it makes selling a whole lot easier because you take yourself seriously and you know that you just didn't make up a number because your coach told you so and you cringe every time you have to say it. But it's because you actually did the math and you know that this is my income. You know, I invested in my education. This is not to because it's trendy to charge this and this amount, but it's because literally if I don't charge that and I get one client at that amount, amount I won't be able to pay my rent or I won't be able to go to the dentist. So that's one thing that makes a lot of people cringe, but it is the most empowering thing you can do. And it, 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 it shifts you from the nice health coach to a business owner, to actually taking yourself seriously. So 
I love the legal stuff. I love the number stuff. I also love marketing. I like pretty fonts, you know, I like the whole thing. But I do find that we often go into the pretty things too quickly before actually having done the more unsexy kind of stuff, which will make you a boss in the end. Yeah. And I like how you brought up that health coaches really come from the good place, from a good place. And I always say that it's the most passionate and compassionate community I've ever been part of, you know, everybody is in it because they truly do want to help. They truly do want to make a difference. But a lot of times we do focus on the pretty fonts and wanting to help people <laughs> not so much value what we're worth. Right. So, uh, no, I, that's, that's awesome advice. Thank you. Um, so just to reverse it a little bit. So I know we're talking about the value of coaches and how important coaches are. Do you think, and this is a question to all three of you, do you think it's possible to build a successful coaching practice without a coach, without a legal marketing or business coach? Um, Barbara, maybe we'll start with you. So the question is, can you build a successful coaching practice without essential partners? <laughs> I like how you put that. <laughs> um, I think it would be very difficult. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible that people wouldn't like you and would gravitate towards your abilities, even if you didn't have agreements or insurance or have any sort of <laughs> money sense about your, your business. I mean, it I guess it depends on how you measure success. If what you're looking for is attention, um, and you know, people are flocking to you because you have really great things to say and, and they like what you say, um, then I guess you're successful, but is it a long-term strategy for success and uh, for growth? No, I think to grow and to, to be successful financially and in the long term, you need those essential partners, um, like legal, like accounting, like, um, you know, just business uh, coaching help. I'm agreed, you know, but we need to explore all sides of the coin. Lisa, do you have anything to, to add? Yeah, um, I agree with Barbara again, too, um, that you can do it, but you wouldn't necessarily want to do it. And Barbara talked beautifully about the legal and the accounting piece, as did Christine talk about the money piece. So I uh, want to just say a little bit about the coaching piece, because obviously I am a coach myself. I became a life coach back in 2003 when people didn't even know what a life coach was. And then later in 2012, the nutrition um, uh, health coach. And here's the thing about coaching. There have been times when I've had four coaches at once. And I'm not suggesting everyone needs to do that. But I personally think it's very hard to stretch ourselves outside of our comfort zone by ourselves. So having a coach is essential, having a community of people who understand you and support you and who are going through what you're going through at the same time, like Christine does with her program, like you do Marina with your clients, you want to, um, when people start their own businesses, it's scary. Like even the doctors that Barbara and I work with, the doctors are terrified to have a health coaching business. And these are like, you know, orthopedic surgeons and neurologists, like very successful people because it's outside of their comfort zone. And they've always been successful or they were successful in their corporate job or their day job. And it feels very risky. So besides assuring that you have the legal part and the insurance part and the accounting so that you can shore up your risk in those areas, I think you want a coach to hold and, and support you as you stretch into that space that feels ris risky and you stretch yourself to do things you've never done before, like 
I remember when I had professional photos taken from my website, you know, as Barbara knows, lawyers don't do that. I mean, we might have a nice little headshot, but we don't have like a pose in a red dress. Like that's just not what we do. It's not about us ever as a lawyer. It's always about the client, but doing that type of marketing is very uncomfortable for a lot of people who've never done it in that way. So that's just one example, let alone writing books and starting podcasts and new programs and courses, and even sending your first e-newsletter can be scary. So having a coach to, to stretch, but hold and support you, I think is one of the best things that I've done. And I, I continue to work. I have two coaches I've worked with for the past five years and I just keep continuing. So that's my two cents worth, but I do think coaches do need coaches for sure. Not to mention lawyers and accountants. <laughs> uh, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think the, I, I think we all need somebody to be accountable to. And, you know, I always say that we should all do what we're good at. Right. So if I'm not good at legal, why should I go and spend the time researching it? If I don't know marketing, if I don't know business, let me do what I'm good at. Right. And let the experts do their thing. So I think we're all on the same page here. And I mean, I would love to be talking to you for the next hour, but we have to be so conscious of our time. Um, so I wanted to ask all three of you this question. What is one piece of advice that you can leave the coaches watching this today with? And uh, maybe Christine, let's start with you. Oh God, <laughs> I'm like, these are like these fire around questions. I'm really bad at. So the one piece of advice, um, if I look back, I think just be be kind to yourself. That's the number one thing. Don't have a bad conscience when things aren't go so well and you take a break. I think that's one, especially right now in these times. Don't feel guilty for taking a break and don't be kind, just be kind to yourself. Isn't that the hardest thing to do just to be kind to ourselves? <laughs> Lisa, what do you think? What's one piece of advice that you can leave uh, coaches watching today with? Um, this is very simple. And it's one of the earliest things that any lawyer would probably tell you when you're working with your clients. But if you are working with one-on-one -on -one clients, use your client agreement, use a coaching agreement. Sometimes I think it can feel scary um, for a coach to have this beautiful, warm discovery call and then be like, here's my legal contract. They don't want to do that. So you, you do want to present it in a more loving way. Um, and you do want to make sure your client's comfortable. But as Barbara said, it does set the expectation. It does have all of your policies in it. So as Christine said, you can say as per the contract, this is my policy. So no matter if you're just starting out with your first client or you've had 10, 20, 100, make sure you have a really solid coaching agreement. Um, or if you're doing an online program or group course, use terms, um, I call terms of use, make sure you have those legal documents in place, especially now as we're going through the pandemic and economic uncertainty, and we have no idea what's coming just to protect and honor your income and then also your work. Okay, thank you for that, Barbara. Yeah, I think I've been trying to figure out which one I want. <clears throat> I think I'm going to do two. I'm, I'm going to say, listen to your gut and have a team of advisors, uh, like an advisory board that you can rely on. And when your gut is telling you something is off or something doesn't feel right, you have somewhere to go to bounce that gut feeling off of. I think that that's what I would advise. Listen to your intuition. Yes. I love it. I love everything that was said here today. I thank all three of you for being here. This was absolutely enlightening. And it was exciting for me to have such experts 
in the same, well, let's call it a room, right? Um, I'm glad that we got to do this virtually. I'm hoping that next year we can all do this in a nice setting on a couch with a cup of coffee. <laughs> and, um, you know, I look forward to staying in touch with all of you. And I know we will. And for those that are viewing, uh, that are watching this, we're going to leave contact information for all three of our experts, for Lisa Fraley, for Barbara Zabawa, and for Christine Hansen. And you can reach out to them because they really are the best at what they do. So thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having us, Marina. Thank you. It's been a yeah, pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.